This evening, we have our regular Wednesday evening Bible study, and today we're going to be in the the book of Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, stand up and raise your Bible above your head and bear witness of God's Word, knowing that we'll be using this Word today as the authority. You may be seated. If you would, please turn to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. I know while we're in church, I normally say when you find your place, say I have it. So even though I may not can hear you from where you're at, when you find your place, say I have it. And I'll just guess to see if you have it. Again, while you're finding your place, I I do want to tell you how much I miss you. Just the fellowship, just being with the body. But I know that, that God is planning a lot of things that are going to happen as we get back together. I do know this is not going to be a permanent situation. I know that he wants us to be able to worship him together. I know that it's his purpose for us to come together and worship as a body, praise him as a body, serve as a body. So with that being said, uh, I understand that, that it's hard for us to realize how good can come out of this situation. But as we've talked about in weeks before, I expect to see great things on the spiritual side. I know that there are a lot of people that are reevaluating their lives and they're seeing that that loss that's been in their life in a time of uncertainty that, that only God is certain. And so we'll see a lot of people accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And people who are, who are in church or people who are, are in church but inactive, they'll see that privilege that we have to be able to come together. People who are faithful in church, it will be reinforced to them just the, the privilege to be able to come and, and knowing that sometimes we do take it for granted when it's taken away from us or when we can't do it. So if you're at Luke chapter 12, I'll start just by, by being able to um, read this scripture to you. Luke chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 15. It says, And he said unto them, Take heed. And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness, for man's life consisteth not of abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room for to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns, I will build greater, and there I will bestow all of my fruits and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You might be familiar with this parable that Jesus spoke and understand that in this parable, he was speaking to them about the significance of the relationship that we have with God as opposed to the things that we begin to to take for hours in this world and we begin to to form a relationship with things or with temporary things. We begin to bestow love on those things. And so in these past several weeks, there's a word that's been mentioned a lot and I've not only heard it, I've used this word. And as our nation, as our world is suffering through this this coronavirus, we've seen our, our plans continually change from our information about what we need to do to protect our health and keep it from spreading to the closing of businesses and the guidelines that we need to follow, even on how we're able to, to still worship together and, and how we're supposed to, to uh, assemble together and, and the best way to do it as we broadcast it forward. So I'm sure you've watched the news, you've seen 
a daily report that comes out that says, well, we thought this, but we're reevaluating this because at first we thought you needed to do this. And then you've seen economically to where uh, you've seen businesses close and you've seen people that put out announcements that say we were going to stay open, but we reevaluated our position. And then even with the market, we've seen that, that there's different things that have happened and, and people have went back to what they thought they should do and they've reevaluated the position to try to influence certain things in the market. And even with us, as we're trying to broadcast out, knowing that this is something that we're working with, we're trying something, then we're reevaluating that process and seeing what we need to do. So the word that I kept hearing was reevaluate. We have to keep reevaluating the plans and measures that are put in place because, and get this, we reevaluate because the situation keeps changing. If the situation never changes, then we hardly ever reevaluate. We evaluate something, and then as long as it goes good, we don't revisit it. We don't revisit it in our mind, but as soon as dilemma happens, as soon as conflict happens, as soon as our plans don't work out the way that we want them to, in our mind, in order to get to a place that will please us, or a place of prosperity, we naturally reevaluate. But in our own nature, we don't like to reevaluate. We like to evaluate. And when we evaluate, then we go with our plan and we live comfortably in our plan because reevaluation means that we might have to change something that we've gotten used to. Now, wouldn't you agree? When you reevaluate, it requires you to change something that you've gotten used to. If you evaluate something, you put a plan in place and you go with it. So by our nature, we don't like to have to change. We don't like to have to, to start the process by reevaluation. But reevaluation is a good thing. And God wants us to reevaluate our life instead of just settling into a pattern of actions or a pattern of thought, if you will. Sometimes people get locked in a pattern of thought and they stay in that pattern of thought. They become complacent in their actions. Their drive is motivated by their need to change. And if they don't feel like they need to change, well, then reevaluation doesn't happen. But understand, during this dilemma that we've been going through, we see a lot of reevaluation because unfortunately, it usually requires a problem or a dilemma in our lives in order for us to see the need to change what we are thinking or what we are doing. So hold on to that thought. During this dilemma, how many times have you had to reevaluate? I'm talking about on a normal basis from reevaluating how you're going to have dinner, reevaluating the the food that's in the refrigerator, the trip to the grocery store, knowing that at any other time you could just run here and get this or run here and get that. Reevaluating your budget and your bills. Reevaluating what you can pay for, what you can't pay for. Reevaluating even if you want to go to the doctor because you're thinking, I don't know that I want to go to the doctor because there's a lot of sick people there and I don't want to get sicker. So we reevaluate every single thing, but it's because a problem has happened. We don't usually reevaluate the most important thing in our lives unfortunately, which is our relationship with God. So I want you to think about the reevaluation process that's happening now with people's relationship with God. We don't normally reevaluate it until something bad happens to us and our physical condition or our plans change. But I want you to know that Jesus was continually preaching, continually preaching, that we need to continually be reevaluating our relationship with God. So understand something, as he's giving this, this parable about this certain rich man, 
he's telling us that this, this man was reevaluating his life. But was he really reevaluating or just evaluating his situation? You see, his life was being prosperous at that time. He had received a good harvest. And the Bible tells us as we begin to read about him, it says, This man had ground that brought forth plentifully. So he wasn't in need of anything. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do? So he was going to evaluate his situation. Why? Because he had plenty. Now, he evaluated and he said this. He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all of my fruits and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So he was saying, once I get a place to put these things, then I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to continue to go along the path that, I've, that I'm on, that I've been blessed to be on. And I think that's where we find ourselves a lot of times. We've been blessed. We've been blessed as a nation. We've been blessed individually. Before this virus happened, understand that economically, we were in the, the best times that we have seen. People were working, people were buying, people were going, people were going to and fro. People were, were doing whatever they wanted to. But in all of this prosperity, people's relationship with God was suffering. And I'm not talking about just the lost world. I'm talking about even in the church. Those that have a relationship with God, well, they had put that relationship behind the things that they wanted to do, the things that they wanted to own. And so there was no reason for them to reevaluate that. They were thinking in their mind, I still have this relationship with God and I'm still enjoying these things, so I'm not going to change anything. But what happened? Dilemma happened. Conflict happened with this rich man. This rich man was thinking, I'm going to get myself to a position and I'm going to stay there. I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger barns so that I could be at a place to where I don't have to evaluate anymore. I'm going on this evaluation of what I have right now. So say it with me, what I have right now. And we tend to do that. But understand, Jesus goes on to speak. You see, this man was focused on what he could do to get the physical things that he wanted to bring him happiness. He says, as we read here, I'm going to say to my soul, soul, it's good. Eat, drink, and be merry. And so in him eating and drinking and being merry, that was his goal that he was getting to. But understand, even if he built bigger barns, there were going to be a time when those resources would run out. But his security was resting in the goods that he had in this life. So in verse 21 Jesus says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So he, he stops talking about this man and starts talking to us. He says, so is he, meaning that's me or you. So are we that lay up our treasure for ourselves in this world and is not rich toward God. So what is he saying here in the process of life? where we try to accumulate security and peace and happiness based on our plan, our possessions, how comfortable we are, then we'll start having our mind go towards staying on a path where we put our effort towards those things, but we become poor towards God. He said, 
He said, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Richness with God depends on our relationship with him. And there's a lot of people who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they have been blessed by God with material things. But in that blessing, they have become poor towards God and rich towards other things. Why? Because of the relationship that they have with God. The relationship has decreased. The relationship has come behind other things. But there was no need to reevaluate because life has been good and we're still able to eat where we want to eat, go where we want to go, do what we want to do, and then come back to God. Well, that relationship wouldn't work if you had it with any other person, but we're expecting it to work with God. Now, Jesus doesn't stop here. In verses 22 through 34, he gives a discourse here, and we read the same thing in Matthew chapter 6. Happens to be my favorite chapter in the Bible. A, a couple of theme verses that I have in there that I keep reminding myself of. But I want to read you Luke's version here because it's got an important word in it that I want to focus on. So in verses 22 through 34, read as Jesus began to speak to his disciples. After he gave this parable, now understand he gave the parable. Now he wants to speak according to the parable. Verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, for what you will eat, neither for your body, for what you shall put on. For life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment or clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses or barns, like this rich man had. And God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? Meaning, how much better are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying or taking thought, can add to your stature one cubit? You can't change anything physical by worrying. Worrying, well, that's a product of thought. When your mind goes to something and you put effort towards trying to figure something out. So understand, verse 26, if ye then, being not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these lilies. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So he uses the grass here, knowing that the flowers come upon the grass. But think about what he said. He said, these flowers are temporary. The flowers of the grass are temporary. So he's putting the theme for you to think about in here of the temporary nature of life. God clothes those lilies of the field, even though he knows that color is beautiful. They only last for a while. That same grass that was beautiful will be thrown into the oven and burnt. He's saying it will be good for nothing. And so the temporary nature has to make us think about even our own temporary life. And so he's trying to equate this so that the disciples and us will get this picture. If God does that for this short time that the lilies are blooming, but then after they dry up, what was that flower good for? Well, it was good for the time that it had it, but you're much more important than that flower. And God, during your temporary life, he'll clothe you also. So don't worry about the temporary life. And so he goes on from here. Read with me. He says in verse 29, And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Meaning, as he's speaking to them, everybody seeks after these things. Our basic needs, our food, our drink. And your Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, 
For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags that that don't wax old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, where neither moth or rust corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we see in Matthew 6, and you don't have to turn there, but he speaks of these same things when Jesus preaches this sermon. And this is just Matthew's account as opposed to Luke's account. And in Matthew's account, Jesus preaches in in plain words, Seek ye not treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek ye treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves break through and steal. So what he's saying is, Don't focus on the temporary, focus on the eternal. Even though you're in the temporary, you can focus on the things that won't go away. But there's a key word in verse 31, and I want us to focus on this because this key word, and I guess it's two words that begin verse 31, he says, but rather, say it with me, but rather, one more time, but rather. So I want you to understand the transition here. He goes from a thought that says, don't do this or don't think this way to a thought that says, but rather think this way. So I want you to understand that even in this verse, what Jesus is promoting here is for them to reevaluate the way they're thinking, reevaluate how they're approaching life, reevaluate. This is a call to change our focus, a call to change what we're seeking, a call to reevaluate our life, a call to reevaluate our priorities in life, our relationship to God, because our relationship with God is the only thing that will truly give us peace and happiness in this life. Our, Our relationship with God, well, it can't grow old, it can't deteriorate, and no one can steal it. And so he's saying, you're focusing on these things that can go away. Why is this so important? Because at this time, we are seeing so many things in our life that we thought were standards that would never go away. And we're seeing those things go away. Our normal activities in life that we took for granted that we can do, well, we realize Within a period of a couple of weeks, everything can be upside down. So what does that cause us to do? That causes us to what? Let's say our word together. Reevaluate. So understand, and I don't know that you've ever looked at it this way, but this is the way God led me. The greatest thing that could have ever happened to this certain rich man that we read about in the parable is that his life would have had to go through a period of, of loss or dilemma. You see, we didn't see loss or dilemma for him. We saw prosperity for him. We saw that he kept on his path because he never experienced loss or dilemma. You see, if he would have experienced loss or dilemma, he would have had to reevaluate his life. He would have had to know that his material things and his plans were not certain, that they were only temporary. And during his reevaluation, he could have turned to God, had a relationship with God that would have given him real peace and happiness in this life and throughout all of eternity. But understand, this story was not just for the disciples. It was not just about this rich man. What we fail to see is in our prayer for blessings all the time, When we reach a point to where our life is turned upside down and the things that we thought are certain aren't certain, the things that we begin to fear, the things that that let us see our own 
vulnerability, our own fragility, the things that let us see that we're not in control, those things cause us to reevaluate our life and reevaluate our relationship with God. So I want you to understand Jesus was saying, reevaluate your relationship with God. Reevaluate the priority that you have in your life in your relationship with God. Is it more than the things? Is your effort put forth more towards the things? When you evaluate your life, are your plans put forth to be able to build bigger barns and to accumulate because that's where your peace and prosperity are coming? Listen, we're going through this, this horrible time where everyone is affected by this. And we see that it's bad. But I want you to understand that as I've walked through different times with different people, they weren't going through the coronavirus, but they were going through other issues in life where they experienced loss. They experienced dilemma. They experienced conflict. They experienced times where their plans didn't work out. And during those times, what I can see 100% of the time is that during those times, those people had to reevaluate their relationship with God. That's why you see so many people that go through such a hard time. That's when they end up coming back into fellowship with God if they're a Christian or accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior if they never were a Christian. Why? Because something happened to cause them to reevaluate their relationship with God. They were reevaluating by looking at their own control, their own power, and then looking at God's power. At the same time, the Holy Spirit was speaking to them. And so reevaluation happened. And through that reevaluation, they realized, I need to change something in my life. So through reevaluation, repentance happened. You see, repentance is when we change directions, it's when we change minds. So from reevaluation, it brought them to repentance, and from repentance to restoration. You see, you can't have restoration without repentance and you can't have repentance or you won't repent until you reach a dilemma in your life or a conflict or something that changes your thought pattern or, or your goals or your plans to make you reevaluate. We talked last week about our love relationship with God and we learned several things that why it's so important to have a love relationship with God. Not just a relationship, but a love relationship with God. But especially during this time. I read to you out of the book of 1 John chapter 4. And our theme verses were verse 18 and 19. These two verses say, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, we love because he first loved us. From last week's sermon, and I want to blend those together here today, we learn that perfect love means complete love. Now, to be in a love relationship with God, you're in a love relationship where complete love is being shown, or the cycle of love, if you will. This means that love is complete in its cycle. Now, I want to refresh your memory. Remember, these three things that make complete love are perfect love. And remember, perfect love casteth out fear. You won't have fear if you're safely in this relationship this love relationship with God. The first thing that you have to have to have perfect love is love has to be given by one party. The second thing that you have to have to have complete or perfect love is love has to be received by the second party. And the third thing that you have to have to make the cycle of love complete is that love has to be given back to the first party and then 
repeat the process. That's perfect love, the cycle of love. So God wants us to be in a love relationship with him. Now, how does this love relationship begin? Well, even as we read in 1 John 4 at the end of the verse, it says we love him because he first loved us. God initiates the love relationship. God gives us love. We read verses and we know the verses of God's love in the Bible, but God commendeth us his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God made a way for us to come to him. We read that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, knowing that that we were separated from God by our sin. So we had to have a sin sacrifice. That sin sacrifice is Jesus. God loved us enough to sacrifice Jesus to bring us to him. So he initiates that love. And then he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit to draw us to him. Another initiation of love. And then sometimes we learn that even in our dilemma, he lets us be in a situation to where we see how badly we need him. And then he reaches out to us and calls us, come to me, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So God is continually initiating love. He initiates it through Jesus. And then he initiates love and continues through our Christian life by initiating acts of grace on our life. Letting us see him do gracious things that we don't deserve. He keeps loving on us and loving on us. And you hear people say before, listen, I don't know why God loves me, but he's loving on me today and he must love me. He's done this. Yes, he keeps initiating. Why? Because of the response. Because God is after perfect love. God wants a love relationship that's complete. So the second thing is we receive that love. Now, you initiate the relationship by receiving that love and asking Jesus to be your Savior. That means you've received the love of God. You've went the course that he said that you needed to go in order to get to him, which, which Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Meaning that Jesus died for us. We have to first We have to first believe who God is. Secondly, believe who Jesus is as God's uh, sacrifice, his lamb that he sacrificed for us. Thirdly, we have to admit who we are. We have to admit that we're a sinner and ask God to forgive us of our sins. And then we have to ask Jesus to use that sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are coming into a relationship with God because we're, we're giving, we're receiving the love that God has given. So that's the second part, the receiving of the love. And then the third part, we give love back to Him. You say, well, how do I give love back to Him? This is key. This is what we're told throughout the Bible. And this is where we fail and break the cycle of love. Love is given back to God through many things. Let's talk about prayer. We give love back to God through prayer. That's our conversation with God. If somebody loves you and you receive that love and say, thank you for loving me. Well, then if you choose to never speak to them or only speak to them frequently or only reinforce your love back, it's not spoken. There's no conversation. Is that really giving love back? So We give love back to God through prayer. The second thing is through praise. We're praising Him. The same way that I would express and give love back to my wife or give love back to my children or give love back to my friend or the church body, how would I do it? I would be complimenting and praising you and telling you what a blessing you are, telling telling you how important you are to me, telling you what value you are. That's all praise really is. We're acknowledging who God is and praising Him and then worship. Being able to interact with God, being able to hear his word preached, being able to respond to that word, having the Holy Spirit speak back and forth to us, being able to assemble together in prayer, in praise, in worship and obedience. What about obedience? That's the way we love God back. 
That's the way we love any friend back. That's the way we love any relationship back. In obedience, we're faithful to them. We're obedient to our word to them. We do what they would like us to do. We don't want to not please them. And then what about service? Well, if you love someone, you serve them. In any capacity, in any relationship, your love is actually graded on your service, what you're doing unselfishly for that person. And then your testimony, your witness, how you speak about that person, how you represent that person. It's the same way with God. We love God back by witnessing, by testifying, by being able to represent our love to other people. You see, there's no fear for us if we're in this complete, perfect love relationship with God. And here's the thing. Most people think they are in a love relationship with God. Some acknowledge that they're not. And I get that. And you're always going to have those that defiantly say, I don't love God or I'm not in a relationship with God. But most people that we're around think that they're in a love relationship with God. You see, when someone accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they begin that love relationship with God. It's a picture of perfect, complete love. God gives His love. The person accepts the love by believing, repenting, accepting that love, and then they love Him back. And we just learned that. And if you are able to remember, or if you're able to remember that time in your life when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to go to that, that time where, where your confidence lies to where I know my love relationship with God began at this time. Go back. I remember where I was at. I remember pretty much what I prayed, but some people don't. But they remember there was initiation. They, were, they remember sometimes the event that happened that drew them to God. They remember this transforming that happened in their mind when they realized, I need to make it right with God. Now, if you were able to ask a Christian if they're in a love relationship with God, do you know that they would go back in their mind to that time when they accepted the Lord as their Savior? And they would evaluate their salvation experience and they would say, yes, isn't that what you just did? You went back in your mind, you thought about that and you said, okay, well, I initiated my love relationship with God right now and I evaluated that time and I'm saying yes, right? So here's what I want you to understand. This is where a lot of Christians stop in their evaluation of their love relationship with God. They think about their salvation experience. They evaluate whether they confess to God that they were a sinner and they check it off. They profess their belief in God and in Jesus to save them and they check it off. They go back and remember that time they repented of their sins. They asked God to save them through Jesus and asked Jesus to be their savior and they check it off. And this evaluation doesn't take long because it's usually an experience that's locked in our memory. How many of you in times where Maybe you've doubted your relationship with God, but quickly you could go back in your mind and you could say, I remember when I did this. And it's important. And I think that's important to have that as a standard in your memory. But what I want you to see is that when that person says, yes, I've went back, I've evaluated, I know I'm saved. They normally move on and say, yes, maybe not out loud, but I have a love relationship with God. And that love relationship was based on evaluation that happened when they got saved. But what we need to realize is that we're evaluating our relationship with God on something that happened at an earlier time in our life. And we're basing how good our relationship is with God on that evaluation. So stay with me on that. Yes, if you truly believed and confessed you were a sinner 
and ask for forgiveness and ask for salvation, then you are saved and you did come into a relationship with God. And it began as a complete, perfect love relationship with God. But that doesn't mean that our relationship with God is a good relationship right now. I can tell you from my past, I remember distinctly when I came into a love relationship with God, but then I can tell you later on, I was not in a complete love relationship with God because I didn't love him back. I didn't pray. I didn't worship. I didn't obey. I didn't serve. I didn't testify. I didn't witness. Well, what happened? I was secure in my love relationship. Right. But I was basing my relationship on an evaluation that happened a long time ago. Now, stay with me here. So many Christians do that. We're basing our love relationship with God on something the way it was. The only way that we can know if our relationship with God is good now is to reevaluate our relationship with Him now. If I were to have issues with my wife, which I mean, I hardly ever have since she's married to a perfect husband. And so it would be hard to, I'm just kidding. But we do have issues. If in those issues or in those times where we're having a dilemma, if I would just go back and say, I remember how good it was when we were married, when our love relationship started, and I based how good we're doing on that evaluation, then I wouldn't ever see a need to do anything any differently. And I'm taking you down a train of thought here because I want you to understand our actions are based on our evaluation of certain situations. We form an opinion of something based on our evaluation of it. We evaluate different things all the time to see how we should act accordingly, right? Think about it. By definition, to evaluate is determine, to determine or assess the value of something, to determine or to, to fix a value on something. We evaluate situations all the time in our mind, and then our actions are based on our evaluation. It's important that you remember that. Our actions are based on our evaluations. And for those of you taking notes, that's a big thing to write down at this time. Our actions are based on our evaluation. Now, why is that important? Because we do it all the time. Let's take a simple, a simple process that happens to us on a daily basis. Something that, that we do and we might not even recognize we're doing it. When you go and you approach a set of steps. Now think about this, this is physically. We think in our mind, how high is this step that I have to step up and how many steps are there? We evaluate this by, by thinking to ourselves how, how well we are physically to be able to take those steps and get to the top of those set of steps. But do you realize that if the situation that we have physically, our physical capability changes, maybe we hurt our leg. Let's say we hurt our leg. Let's say we're having lung issues. Or let's just say we've gotten older. Then we don't base our ability to successfully climb those steps on an old evaluation. If you do, you're going to fall up those steps or you're not going to make it to the top. 
You see, what we do is we reevaluate the situation and we base our action on the reevaluation of the current condition that we're in. Now, this is good. So get this. Understand subconsciously when we get to that set of steps, what we realize there's an obstacle here. And in order to, to climb this obstacle, if we're confident in it, then we just truck on up those steps and we just go up those steps. But the minute you hurt your leg, the minute you have a physical problem, the minute that, that the steps become a larger obstacle, the minute the steps become something that, that we have to consider, can we get to the top? And we think we reevaluate the situation. Is my leg going to let me get up there? Are my lungs going to be full of air when I get there? I don't want to start and not stop. Is there an elevator? What are my other options? Is there a ramp? What can I do? So we begin to, to reevaluate and we base our actions on that reevaluation. We don't even know that we do it, but it's the current situation. If we were to get there and know that we have a broke leg, but we're evaluating on the fact that we were able to do it last week or we were able to do it two years ago and pop up those steps, we're going to hurt our leg even worse. So we don't, by nature, evaluate something based on old things. So why? Why are we reevaluating our relationship with God based on what happened? The definition of reevaluate is to consider or examine, listen to this, examine something again. To examine something again in order to make changes or form a new opinion about it. To reevaluate is to consider. Or examine something again in order to make changes or to form a new opinion about it. We've seen a lot of reevaluation going on, haven't we? And why? Well, because the physical situation keeps changing. At one point, we were, we were told that, hey, it's only going to happen to these certain age people. Now it's somebody young can get this. We were told to wear a mask, then not wear a mask. We were told to uh, take a test, don't take a test. We were told that we need to stay in for this amount of time and then not stay in. We were told that 100 people could meet, then 50 people could meet, then 10 people could meet. So we're constantly reevaluating. We're told that maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's four weeks, maybe it's months, maybe. So we're reevaluating based on the information. Why? Because the dilemma is still there. And as long as the dilemma is still there, it causes us to reevaluate. But let me ask you a couple of questions. Just like the set of steps, why is it that we continually reevaluate everything else in our lives from our physical condition to complete that task like the steps or the condition of maybe a vehicle in order to know if we need to repair or replace it? Do you realize that you can comfortably drive down the road in your vehicle but do you know that the minute that you look down and see that you might have an issue because your gas gauge is saying you only have this much before you run out of gas, but your trip says you have this much, you reevaluate your situation and you change your course. When you ride down the road in your car that's full of gas and you're comfortably driving and the air condition goes off and it's 90 degrees, then you reevaluate rolling down the windows. When you hear that car make a sound, or if you continue to see that car have problems, you even reevaluate whether you want to fix it or get a new one, right? But you weren't thinking about fixing it. But what's the first thing you say when you hear that noise or you see something? We've got to get this thing to the shop. We just reevaluated in our mind. Why? Because we have a problem. 
We reevaluate how sick we are so that we'll know whether to go to the doctor. We do this on a, on a daily basis. Everything is fine, and then we have a little something go wrong with us. And so we don't just evaluate how we felt last week. We reevaluate. We reevaluate how much money we have right now so that we can know if we can buy something. You see, we do that on a continual basis. Why? Because we seem to be governed by that. We want to make sure that we're secure in that. That evaluation goes all the time, but we have to reevaluate. Why? Because if you had enough last week, but you're trying to buy something today and you've spent something in between, then you won't have enough money to spend it. You'll overdraw your bank account or you'll not be able to get something that you need. So you reevaluate. We also reevaluate how good our relationship is with other people so that we can know if there's something that we've done or something that we need to fix or something we haven't done that we should have done in order to make the relationship good. You know, I do a lot of marriage counselings and I can tell you that one of the key things to letting a marriage go from, from good to bad to worse is that no one ever took time to reevaluate the relationship. They evaluated it based on where it was, and then they began to grow apart and become comfortable. They thought, well, I've got this in place, and, and so it's good, and this is all good, and I'm doing my thing, and they're doing your, their thing. But in the middle of it, there was no continual reevaluation. If there was, this problem would have come up. But now the problem has reached a peak. And so relationships can't work unless you continually reevaluate this. And you see, we do this only when there's a problem. There's been times in my life where I might have said something that, that was out of line to my wife or, or wasn't thankful or did something that I, I shouldn't have done. And unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to me, how many guys can bear witness to that? Hey, I had no idea that I'd actually messed up, right? And I hope there's hands going on everywhere. But I can tell by her response, I've done something that I've messed up. So what do I have to do? I can't just go on along and whistle along and say, what? What? What do I do? Of course, that's our first thing that we say, right? What I have to do is reevaluate the situation and then reevaluate how I said something and how she took something. And then we can go from there. But unless that reevaluation happens, guess what? There's going to be silence that's there because that's her thing, right? I'm going to punish you with silence. Now, in our relationship with God, do you realize if we don't reevaluate, then there's silence in our relationship. There's no back and forth. There's no communication. We're not reevaluating how we are with him right now. And because we're re not reevaluating, we're basing it on back when we got saved. And so, hey, we were saved at this time. And, and here's what we'll do. We want to make sure that we, we know we love him. If anybody asks us, we're going to say we love the Lord as Christians, right? And here's where we go to church. And listen, we're there every Sunday. Now, we can't do the Sunday night or the Wednesday night. We're not really involved in everything else. But listen, we love the Lord. I tell you, as a pastor, it's amazed me to see Someone's faithfulness begin to pick up when they're going through dilemma. Why? Reevaluation has happened. They need God more than they've ever needed Him. But it's also amazed me that when God picks them up and puts them back on their feet, that reevaluation doesn't always happen again. You see, by nature, we don't like to reevaluate. We like to evaluate. Why is it? that we treat our relationship with God so differently. 
We base our relationship with God on an old evaluation, an old experience that happened before, but not on a current reevaluation. And I think the reason is because we, we only tend to reevaluate something when we experience a conflict or a dilemma or a problem with our plan. And this time that we're going through right now, even though we see it as bad, do you realize that this time is an act of grace on God's behalf to cause the world and us individually to reevaluate our relationship with Him? Now you can paint this however you want to, and you can say, oh, this is the most terrible thing that ever happened. But I'm seeing people reevaluate their life to God and understand I don't care how big your barn was getting. I don't care how confident you were in your security of saying, I'm going to do this extra little thing and, and, and I'm going to get more money and that's going to make me secure, but it takes you away from God. Understand, you are building barns. But he's saying the same thing to you and me that he was saying to his disciples that he was talking about this other man. And I'll read it to you again. Verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Listen, what have we done with our relationship with God? What have we done? We've been living in a time of prosperity to where our bigger concern, our effort, our plans, our sacrifice, the things that we're doing in our life has been to increase ourself, our position, our plan. We're all guilty. But we weren't focusing on being rich toward God, our relationship with God. That's where your peace, that's what Jesus said here. Don't lay up for yourself treasures here. Have the security and peace of knowing Father God loves you. He's going to provide for you food. He's going to provide for you clothing. He's going to provide for you all these things that you're trying to increase in. But He's going to give you the bigger thing. He's going to give you love. He's going to give you provision. He's going to make sure that you have that peace and that happiness in this life that you can't get with those other things. You can't get with bigger barns. He called that man a, a fool. Tonight your soul will be required of you. You see, it was a sense of immediacy. The, great, the, the, the worst thing that ever happened to that man was that things never got bad for him. Now understand what I'm saying because I'm pleading with you. It's when things are bad that we reevaluate. If you're reevaluating right now, you need to praise God that this has happened. I need to praise God that it's happened. Because it's caused me. By nature, I wouldn't get to this point. I would keep on doing what I've always been doing. But by nature, it's caused me to reevaluate the things in life. It's causing this all the way around. It's causing people to reevaluate what they really have. Even in their love for each other. So many great things I'm seeing. People helping other people. People doing unselfish things. I've seen wonderful things come out of, of this whole dilemma we're going through. People sacrificing their self. People putting their self on the line. I think about our healthcare workers. I think about our policemen. I think about our first responders. I think about all those that are caring for people. And then I think about people who are going out of their way to, to help others on their, their daily need and the elderly. And what are they doing? They're showing the love of God to people. Why? Because they were called to a time to where they had to reevaluate what's important. 
You're seeing families at home for the first time having conversations and it's not on the way to some event where they're going to set apart and let somebody else entertain. They're having real conversations. They're having to reevaluate their situation. You're seeing marriages where husbands and wife are together at night. They're around the table. Hopefully they're having prayer together and they're reading the Bible. And they're reevaluating. This is what's really important. Do you realize that, that, and I've told marriage couples this before, you realize that you can be married to somebody for 10 years and during that 10 years have nothing but prosperity. You can go where you want to go. You can be uh, double income people who can buy whatever they want to and life is at your fingertips and you can rejoice and you can, ha- you can be happy and you can laugh all the time. You understand 10 years of that. But if you go through one month of dilemma with that person, do you realize one month of of sorrow with that person? Do you realize you grow more in that month than you ever did in 10 years? Why? Because it causes you to reevaluate your love. It causes you to draw near them. It causes you to pull from them and give to them. Isn't that what a relationship is? So in this thing, you can mark me on this. I praise God because I know he's never made a mistake. And if he's causing the world to reevaluate their relationship with him, then this is a huge act of grace because everything else that we have in this life, if he would leave us alone, we'd be no different than this guy. What he's causing us to do is reevaluate and accept this gift of grace where our mind is actually changed and we can say, God, I, n- I never really took you serious. I stood in front of a young man yesterday, had to be in his 20s. I didn't stand too close to him. I stood six feet away from him. He was working at a place and I took my car in to get serviced and he had to stand at a distance and it wasn't even like it normally is. And he pulled up my information. He said, oh, pastor, you're a pastor. And I always no, I'm not worthy. I usually, at first, I used to look behind me to see who they're talking to, you know. But, but I said, yes, sir, I'm a pastor. He said, well, yeah, you know, tell you what. He said, I mean, I, I know I don't go to church and don't do the God thing, the God thing. He said, but I'll tell you what, this thing really makes me think about it. I know there's something bigger than me. I know what's happening to him. He's reevaluating, isn't he? And I didn't sit there and give him a five-point sermon. I told him God loved him. God wants him to be there. He can come anytime. He can tune in. His relationship with God can be as great as he wants it to be. Why? Because God loves him. And if this thing calls that young man or any young man or any young woman out there or any person out there that's been focused on barns and bigger barns and what they're doing to stop and think, hey, listen, these things are temporary. What's going to transcend this world? My relationship with God. What's really going to give me peace in this world? My relationship with God. A good relationship with God. A love relationship with God. Then glory to God for the grace of this happening. Reevaluation has to come before repentance can happen. Repentance is a change of mind and a change of direction. And repentance has to come in order for us to have restoration in our relationship with God. God loves us. He wants a relationship with us. But He wants a complete love relationship with us. 
And I think Christians short sell their relationship to God based on that experience that we had, that evaluation that we go to in our mind. I'm asking you today, don't base your love relationship with God on that evaluation. Reevaluate today where you're at with Him. You see, there are some people who have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand He wants you to reevaluate your life today, right now, and see how fragile and temporary this life really is. And that without Him, you really have nothing. You see, you're an advantage over this gentleman in Luke 12. You might be out there building barns now and you're realizing, hey, I'm not at work. Hey, I'm not making the check I was. Hey, I'd planned on doing this or doing this, but this is uncertain to me right now. You see, without this, you would have kept going on that path, but now you have to reevaluate your life. You say, it's not good from where I'm at. Listen, it's because where you're at is building barns. And God doesn't say He's not going to give you things. I've seen people that are serving God that are putting Him first more blessed than any person that's not. God wants you to enjoy life. He wants to give you things. He wants to give you a peace and happiness in His life that's unparalleled because He knows you'll go and witness and testify about it. So it's not like you have to go to God and then, hey, you lose everything else that that would be... um, fulfilling in this world. No, I've never been so fulfilled as when I'm living for God. I've never been so least fulfilled as when I wasn't living for God. When I was building barns with my plan, what I'm telling you today is if this time made you realize how fragile and temporary your life was or your plan was without Him, and that you really have nothing without Him, then glory to God. Use this time to reevaluate where you are with God. He loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And He tells you in His Word that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Glory to God. There's nothing that God wants more. He created you to have a relationship with Him. And you can do that today. You do that by having a conversation with God. And that conversation consists of just several things. First of all, you acknowledge who God is by your belief. God, I believe who you are, the one and only true living God. I believe you created everything. I believe you created me. And I believe you love me. Number two, I believe who Jesus is. I believe you sent him as a way for me to come to you. I know that I've sinned and I'm acknowledging my sin. But I know Jesus never sinned and he died for me. I want to I use what he did to cover my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I'm acknowledging who you are. I'm acknowledging who Jesus is. And I'm acknowledging who I am. I'm a sinner. But God, I want to come to you. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I accept him as my Savior, God, because I want to come into a love relationship with you. If you do that today, glory to God, friend, you will be saved. You will be secure. You will have a peace that passeth understanding. You will have happiness and contentment. It doesn't mean that every day is going to go according to your plan, but every day wasn't going to go according to your plan. And this act of dilemma, this dilemma that's happening in your life right now is an act of grace because today you're reevaluating if you act, if your actions are based on that reevaluation today and you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your life will be changed forever. And then you become a Christian. So Christians, let me speak to you. Do you know that He wants us to reevaluate our life with Him and our love relationship with Him? He wants us to prioritize our relationship with Him and daily reevaluate whether we have any sin or anything between us and Him and then repent of it. 
He wants us to reevaluate if we're praying like we need to be praying, if we're worshiping like we need to be worshiping, if we're reading his word, if we're going to him in praise, if we're serving him by serving others, if we're being faithful in our relationship with him, if we're testifying, if we're witnessing him. He wants us to reevaluate that today. Why? Because your love can't be a perfect love. It can't be a complete relationship to cast out fear until you reevaluate it and then act upon the reevaluation. You know, Barry, if I reevaluate once a month, what happens on the days in between? If I reevaluate once a year, what happens on the days in between? If I really love him and I want to show him his love, I need to reevaluate on a daily basis. God, show me myself. And I pray this prayer every day. And I started it years ago because I can't trust myself. I can't trust my mind. You say, oh, preacher, please don't tell us that. We thought more of you. Well, then you thought too much. God, show me myself. I pray to God to reveal himself to me, but I ask him, show me myself. Why? Because I need to reevaluate on a daily basis. I'll evaluate something and go on my own evaluation. And before long, I'll be building barns. And not be rich toward God. So I ask you today, are you going to take this opportunity and reevaluate your relationship to God? If you're lost, reevaluate and ask the Lord to save you. If you're a Christian, reevaluate right now. Repent and receive God's restoration in your relationship with Him. He wants to give it to you. If this dilemma brought us to this, then praise Him. Pray with me. Father God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you. You're so good to us in every way, even in times, Lord, where we're in uncertainty. You're showing us our own vulnerability. You're showing us, Lord, how fragile and temporary this life is. I praise you for that, God, because you're just wanting that relationship with us, and you're wanting a love relationship to be stronger. I pray, God, for souls to be saved today. I pray, God, for lives to be changed. I pray, God, that wherever this message goes, I'm praying, God, for reevaluation to happen all around the world. I'm praying, God, that not just for this message, but as other messages are going out from other people, that people are reevaluating their life with you. I pray, God, that people, Lord, in great revival, come to you. I pray that souls are saved. I pray, God, that Christians rededicate their life to you and, Lord, faithfully begin to serve you and prioritize their relationship with you. I pray, God, as reevaluation happens, that your name is made great. In Jesus' name, amen.